the biggest thing we hear from buyers is shorten the time it takes me to dot, dot, dot. And there's a laundry list of things that they're looking to get accomplished. So what we're always trying to do is to put data in the format that they need to make an informed decision. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. Today's show is part four in our series about how machining companies find new work. Our guest is Tony Upoff, CEO of Thomas, an online directory of over 500,000 North American manufacturers. Thomas filters its listings into 72,000 categories, so buyers and suppliers can pinpoint the exact companies that fit their needs. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. I am very honored to be with Tony Upoff, president and CEO of Thomas, parent company of thomasnet.com. Welcome to the show, Tony. Hey, Noah, great to see you, and thanks for having us on again. Just so everybody knows, my computer, I like to raise my computer up a little bit on the desk, and I am using an old Thomas Register book. It's about oh, five inches thick, and it is copyright. Uh, 1993. So at least, you know, the old technology has some use still, the print. Yeah. No, as, as you know, and, and, I, and many of your listeners might know as well, this is actually our 123rd year in business. Still a family-owned company, no outside uh, investors, uh, no debt. It's really a remarkable story, fourth generation in the company. Right. And Obviously, it started as a print business, and today we are a blazingly modern internet data platform business. But every once in a while, and I keep some of those in my office too, someone will go, hey, I've got an old Thomas Register. Are you the same company? And I said, well, not since 2006 have we produced print, but yes, we are the same company. Interesting. Okay, yeah, because as we've been talking the last few episodes, we're in a season about how to get new work for machining companies. And I've known for a long time, this is a great place to find stuff. And it's a lot more than just a directory. So before we go any further, Tony, I want you to give us the Cliff Notes version of ThomasNet. Give, give me the five-minute life story of ThomasNet and what it was, what it is now, and then we'll delve deeper. You, you bet. Yeah. And, and hold me to that five minutes because I could go on for hours on this one, Noah. But just to, to, to bring the history together, 
company was started well over 100 years ago, as I mentioned, with a vision towards back then, Harvey Mark Thomas, the founder of the company, had friends of his that were trying to build um, restaurants. And this is in the 1800s. And he noticed that they were struggling to source equipment. So to source, you know, commercial ovens or to, you know, uh, equipment. And if you think about it back then, you know, things like the Sears catalog were around. So the idea of catalogs and directories wasn't necessarily new. So he actually, believe it or not, his first was around that marketplace. And then that ultimately became the Thomas Register. So like restaurant supplies, somebody needed like chairs or you got it, kitchen stuff. You got it. Everything you could imagine. And then he, he made it a much more horizontal business over time in the Thomas Register. And it grew to be, you know, a hugely influential business, you know, to a great extent. I think Thomas can lay claim to, to helping to build the modern North American manufacturing industry as we know it today because of the power it, it had and still has as the dominant sourcing platform for procurement, engineering, and MROs. Okay. So for the longest time, though, I mean, it was, I don't know, what, 10 books, and they were all like five inches thick. I'm sure it wasn't like that when it started. I mean, we had like the library, probably several editions in our office as machinery dealers. So in the original, it was just a directory of every business on various, in various sectors. Yeah. And, and Noah today, and, and this was, was true across print as well, um, today we're at 72,000 categories. And so, you know, you look at the, you know, as they call it the long tail, we actually call it the fat tail. If, if you start to drill into, you know, machining, you can subset machining into hundreds of individual categories. And we do this because what we want to make sure is given the two-sided marketplace we serve, right? So we have buyers and suppliers. We want to make it as easy as humanly possible for the buyer to find exactly the right supplier. So the difference between the print days and the digital days is we can use um, very advanced technology today to create filters and features for buyer and supplier to find each other and then communicate with each other that, you know, other than making the phone ring and print, right. You know, you, you didn't have a lot of options. So today you could argue it is very similar to what the old print directory did, but now using the remarkable technology that we have access to. It's like Google versus the phone book. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. And so we're able to, you know, the biggest thing we hear from buyers is shorten the time it takes me to dot, dot, dot. And there's a laundry list of things that they're looking to get accomplished. So what we're always trying to do is to put data in the format that they need to make an informed decision, because it's not just about seeing a website there. They need data organized in a way to make a decision around. It could be a, a machine a machining shop. It could be a, a component. It could be some other aspect of custom manufacturing. Okay. Okay. And so what categories does the Thomas register or rather thomasnet.com? What is the gamut of categories? It, it literally is A through Z. I mean, it's almost remarkable. Now, in some cases, no, you would have a what I'll call a meta category. So steel could be a meta category and you break that down and there could be literally hundreds of subcategories of specific types of steel. 
I mentioned machining. There could be, you know, a meta category that we would roll up to machining. But when you actually look at all the, the tributaries off that, there could be hundreds of individuals. So collectively, you've got 72,000. We can roll those up to what I'll call meta categories. And, and I mentioned that only because we don't want to force people to have to go one through 72,000 to find, find what they're looking for. And now what we can do is based on our users, we have about 1.3 million active registered users. We have their demographics and their interests. So now that we can set or enable them to set up the filters so they can easily cut through and find what they're looking for and evaluate you know, a range of suppliers within a certain criteria. So they're not wandering through all 72,000 categories like a supermarket trying to find what they're looking for. No, I mean, that's the beautiful thing. It's That's why you don't want to go to Google to find a machine or to find somebody to do your work. You need something more limited. You need something more concentrated. And, and it sounds like within ThomasNet, you get that specificity. So a lot of what it's used for is for manufacturing. And, you know, I was going through the website, I see, you know, basically the there's several different things. There's advertising, marketing, CAD solutions, and something called Thomas Web Tracks. You know, I think advertising, you that's basically either paying for a spot in ThomasNet or there's free spots as well. Is that there there are, and this is this is a part of the original vision for for the business and and if anything we've just accelerated it. So right now we've got probably close to 600,000 suppliers on thomasnet.com. We offer a free profile or free listing. So any of your listeners can go on if they don't already have a listing on thomasnet.com, I would highly recommend it. And free listers do get traffic and engagement. Um, if you want to boost that and you want to reach a broader number of people and you want to turn on as a supplier's more sophisticated features to allow you to engage with buyers, we have a series of paid and they start at, you know, small budget to, you know, we've got some of the biggest companies in the world. What's the, what is the range? We are, I, I say we'd range from, you know, customer spending is as little as $500 a month to companies that spend in the millions of dollars a year with us. And it literally is probably one of the broadest economic stretches, but that really fits with the types of companies, right? So our mutual industry, right, is made up of an enormous number of small to medium-sized businesses that feed into larger organizations or companies or are a supplier to larger companies. So what do you get if you pay $500 and what do you get if you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars? It, it really the easiest way to think about it, Noah, is just reach and, and engagement it is really the biggest, biggest way to think about it. So every second, an engineer or a procurement professional in MRO is sourcing a product or evaluating a supplier on thomasnet.com. That's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So if you want to be anywhere someone who has a propensity to buy your product or service is having an experience on thomasnet.com, the more broadly you want to be able to do that and we match it to a budget, that costs more. I'm more narrow, meaning you're not going to be found as often based on your budget. But here's the difference. Regardless of whether you spend a little or spend a lot, you're in a market with in-market buyers. These aren't folks that are that are kind of, you know, browsing. These aren't people that are just kind of casually, this is their professional tool, just like a lawyer uses 
LexisNexis, like a doctor uses PubMed. This is what the industry uses to source products and evaluate suppliers and also uh, look for incremental information around markets or products or services as well. Okay. And do you have to have a membership to browse? We strongly encourage registration. It is free. We strongly encourage it. And the way we do that, no, I'm not trying to sound funny as I say that. What that allows you to do as a buyer, if you register, it unlocks, um, there's now about 195 filters. Wow. So a filter might mean diversity on business. It might mean region of the country. It could be size of company you want to work with. It could be, you know, unique capabilities. For those that log on to thomasnet.com, if you look down the left-hand side, you can see all these various filters. So, you know, we we add about 25,000 active registered users. And by the way, we don't over-promote that. It just is natural. We add about 25,000 per month that register to unlock those filters. Wow. Collectively, collectively, we are, are a little over 2 million sourcing sessions a month right now and, and growing. About 70% of those are from people who register and about 30% are people that will do it and not register. And again, we don't mandate that you have to register, but you get a lot more value as a buyer. You can unlock ways to compare. You can send RF, uh, RFPs and, uh, or requests for, for information, if you will. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Now I'm playing devil's advocate and I'm thinking, okay, it's great to have so many options. What about the paradox of choice? Is it a problem if there are too many folks in there? You know, such a great question, Noah. And I think, as I mentioned before, it can be overwhelming, the idea that there's 72,000 categories. You, you don't walk through a, a supermarket based on the idea that there's 72,000 things in a supermarket. You really want to understand, hey, what are the groupings or areas that are most important to me? And that's really where the way we've set up, we describe it as the, the user experience. So on the buyer side, it's very, very easy to navigate and find exactly what you want. Now, the more you tell us about you and what you're looking for, the easier we can make that for you, right? So the, the latest thing that we've got is the equivalent of a, an algorithm that, that makes a recommendation engine. So, you know, as this engine watches your sourcing behaviors, it will start to recommend suppliers to you that perhaps you haven't viewed yet that could fit into the wheelhouse of the types of things that you're looking for. So we try to make that, to your point on, on the paradox of choice, it's one of my favorite phrases. I know it's a problem with me. I mean, I have a problem going to a restaurant with 10 choices, let alone hundreds of thousands. Yeah. So what we, what we find is that there's people that have a very clear understanding of what they're looking for. There's also people, they could be engineers or procurement professionals, that aren't completely sure. They know what their problem is. They know what the job to be done, as they call it. Yeah. So then do you guys have customer service? They can call and you guys curate it? We, we have a, what we call a custom quote. And what the custom quote process is, is we have engineers that will engage with buyers who might not have a complete clarity of how to find what they're looking for. So they've got a, you know, no, they've got, you know, the, the, the parlance that, that, was, that was coined years ago by Harvard, a Harvard professor is, based on research, jobs to be done. So we focus very clearly on the jobs to be done by these buyers. And then what we try to do is to set up systems and filters so that we can help them easily find the products and services to get those individual jobs to be done. And so with that in mind, yeah, we do have a custom quote. It's a small 
Well, I shouldn't say small. I mean, I, I would say it's about 10, 10-ish percent of our use. I would say the, the larger part is when people kind of know, hey, I'm looking for a machine shop to do this type of job with this many units, maybe in this region of the country, right? So they kind of go in maybe knowing the basics, but in the process of discovery, they might find an alternative or they might find um, that some of their initial suppositions were wrong and there's a better way to look at it. Are there ratings on their like user ratings or testimonials or? We don't have uh, ratings and there's a, there's a free. I think that that would be dangerous. Well, I, I'd love your opinion on this. Boy, have we debated it. And part of the challenge with ratings is they, they can get misused and gamed out. Oh, absolutely. So you look at what's happened with platforms like Yelp and others. And the other aspect about it is think about custom manufacturing for a minute. What should you be rating on? Right. So it, it, was it was it price? Was it the speed with which they delivered? Was it response time? Was it quality? Some of those are are, are, are things that you could easily measure. Some are subjective. The number one complaint, by the way, that we get from buyers is response time. They get very frustrated that it takes a manufacturer a long time to respond. You know, takes a takes a, a supplier. Oh, to an RFQ. Yeah. To an RFQ, to a, a web form, you know, submission, to a, a, a phone call. So that's one of the things that we work with a lot with our customers of helping them set up systems and standards. It's you mentioned web tracks. One of the reasons we developed that and we give this away for free, that technology is it can allow you to track phone calls and track everything that you're doing from a marketing perspective and make sure you're responding in a timely way and keep track of you know responses and engagement. Yeah, so okay, so go over web tracks then. This is this is fascinating and we're really getting in depth, but give me a uh, the quick scoop on it so we can make sure to get through everything. Yeah, it, it, as we started to build out the business in the um, you know we were Thomas was one of the first companies commercially to be online in the mid 90s. Uh, they had done CD-ROM delivery before that. They were still producing print. And then in the mid-aughts, I think it was 2006, they, as the, as the phrase is, burned the boats on the shore and said, hey, we won't own the future the way we have the past unless we go all in on online. So they made that decision. And it was a bold decision at the time. And it turned out to be the right one. In the context of that, what the company discovered, and we just accelerated Noah, this strategy, is that we were aggregating this remarkably powerful buying audience, but we were also recommending to uh, companies that they develop their own website as well. And so companies were saying to us, well, can't you do that for us? Well, 12,000 websites later, we regularly build websites and we build them to industry specifications. So we know what industrial buyers are looking for and how they react. So we, we build websites. As we started to do that, one of the things that we heard from customers is, hey, I can't keep track of the stuff that's you know, happening on thomasnet.com. And is that driving somebody to my website? And then I'm getting these phone calls. I'm struggling to track all this. So we developed web tracks. And again, we give it away for free. It's code that runs on your website, but it also brings together anything that you do with Thomasnet. It'll bring together anything else you do anywhere else and provides a a Google Analytics, but kind of customized for the industrial marketplace dashboard. And it's a very sophisticated uh, system. We're just about to roll out a whole new supplier experience as a part of thomasnet.com that integrates that into Thomasnet for suppliers. Wow. 
the only problem with it is still like you have to have some human that you know takes a look at it in the end and then makes some kind of decision and in a bureaucracy <laughs> you're it's gonna it's so hard and and i i get it i mean it's a demonstration of bureaucracy or just how attentive people are at the top and it's a fascinating you know subject we could go down down that path you know a long ways but it yeah no it's a great rabbit hole um but it's a good one and just to clarify it for your for your listeners what one of the things that that we're doing is bringing that together so if you think of thomasnet.com as a two-sided marketplace between buyer and supplier is we're now taking that experience so the supplier logs on to thomasnet.com and sees all that data and information that i just described to you in on thomasnet they don't have to remember how to log on to something else the other thing we built in there know it is some pretty sophisticated technology that you and I might think of as sales enablement. In other words, you can kind of sort, hey, which of these leads should I follow up on first? Are these within the criteria? Which companies might be checking me out? I mean, you need that and you totally need that because there's just too much. You do. Too much noise. Yeah. It's overwhelming. Do you feel like because of that, like you may miss out on like, like I just wrote a blog today about, about serendipity and about how sometimes, I mean, serendipity can happen with an email inquiry as well, for sure. I find when you talk to somebody on the phone, sometimes you learn something totally different about the company that you wouldn't have known, or this person knows somebody that you know, or it's, it's a pity, you know, I mean, obviously, it's better to have like tons of choices than nothing. But it's, I guess, I mean, there's contact information and probably gets to a certain point where people will you know, then call after the... I think, I think Noah, you and I talked about this when we first met. I, I think this is one of the most fascinating things about the world we're now living into. And, and I think part of what we're, we're realizing is there is no singular perspective. We live in a hybrid world. So do you work remotely or do you work in an office? Well, I do both. Do you, you know, and, and so I think if you, if you look at it from that perspective, the latest data shows that B2B purchasing in, in the industrial marketplaces is well over 70% through before a buyer engages directly with a sales rep. Now, this is the impact of the internet. We know this to be true. Okay, that doesn't mean that human interaction is irrelevant. I think it makes it even more important because at some point, Noah, if you're, if you're going to buy from me, you're going to get on the phone with me and or you're going to be communicating with me. It might be an email format or other formats, but you're going to want to sense that there's a human being on the other end of this um, I'll give you an interesting example. We launched a little over a year ago now a factory tour video that advertisers can buy and put on their supplier discovery. This took off. We have sold, I think, 2,000 of these in the last year. This took off like hotcakes. You can pay for you guys to come and make a video? Correct. And if you're familiar with the real estate platform Zillow, if you ever go onto the real estate platform Zillow, there's a there's a, a template to the video tour of a house. A little drone flies over. That's a brilliant service. How much do those cost? Um, it ranges in in price, but about twenty five hundred bucks for like a fully edited, fully oh, fully done music, the whole nine yards. Not bad. And I'll take you back, connecting it to this conversation. This actually came at the interest of buyers initially, not suppliers. We were hearing from buyers in all the testing we do where they were saying, gosh, you know what? I, I, can't, 
I can't go visit Noah's factory. I can't go see Noah's shop floor. And, you know, that's been true for a long, it's not just a COVID thing. That's just been true. And they kept saying, you know, I kind of would like to see the company. And we thought, well, wait a second. And we got contacted by the same company that does the, the aggregate video work. They aggregate um, videographers in regions around the country. And so we, we work with them. And long-winded way, Noah, back to your point, you know, there's ways that we can drive that engagement and reintroduce the human element. It's not purely digital. The other thing that we're going to be launching later this year is Mess, enhance messaging capabilities like what you see on a LinkedIn or a Facebook so that in a permission basis, buyer and seller can communicate on the platform in the format that makes sense for them in addition to the tools we have today, which is getting somebody to visit your website or call your 800 number uh, or send an RFI through the platform to request more information. What is the CAD solutions? Pardon me. For product OEMs, we have long had, and you know, back in the day, it was they were print catalogs. We were one of the early companies, gosh, probably 30 years ago now, that was developing computer-aided design schemas and files, as well as building information modeling uh, files that become industry standard in the market. So we provided a service for product OEMs where we can create those CAD or we call them BIM files on behalf of a product OEM. <clears throat> we'll help you uh, develop those files. And then we also syndicate them. So syndicating could be on your website. It could be on your distributor's website. And then certainly on thomasnet.com as well. So if you look at that, you know, we've, we've got about, gosh, probably 30 or 40% of our business are, are what you and I would consider to be product OEMs versus let's call them custom manufacturers. And so that's a, that's a, a very fast growing service that we offer the marketplace. Interesting. So, okay, if you were going to start your own company, manufacturing company this year, 2021, what kind of company making what? Yeah, you know, it's, um, let, let me come at this two different ways. Let me come at it as what service or product would I offer, but then also what markets would I offer it to? And let me answer the back part of that first, right? If you, if you look at what is just blazingly hot right now, and I think it's going to continue to be in no rank order, right? Automotive is, is, is going to continue to be a white hot category and it goes through its ebbs and flows, but we're about to see, you know, a remarkable step change in what, what we think of as an automobile, Right. One one angle, it's a rolling computer. The other angle uh, is is we're now going to almost purely battery based cars by what, 2025, 2030, whatever it's going to be. So there's a very ripe market. There's also the the aspect of the impact 5G and other enabling technologies are going to have on the automated driving experience, whether that's commercial or, or individual. So suffice to say, automotive is going to be a super, super hot category. Other one I'd mention is if you think of aerospace, well, we've had a lot of aero and no space over the last 20 years. Well, guess what? There's a real space industry today and both private and public space industry. That's a category that is going to continue to grow and develop. You're now they're now launching ISPs, internet service providers via satellites. Elon Musk company and others are starting to do that kind of work. So there's a ton of opportunity in that category 
The third one I'd mentioned you know, is renewable energy. And you know that is just, if you look at what's happening, think of the battery innovation. So basically everything Elon Musk is doing. Yeah, follow Elon is not a bad strategy, believe it or not. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd leave the Dogecoin and the Bitcoin for others, but- uh, hey, hey, Bitcoin, you know, maybe not doggy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I look at then what are the capabilities? And, and I think, um, the, for your audience in particular, they're right in the sweet spot of, I think, capabilities because upwards of 80% of supply chains of most companies are made up of custom manufactured products, let me call it, right? So I think the ability to, I, I want to manufacture this microphone to my standards and I need to find somebody that can make the cover and I need to find somebody that I can source the electronic components and I need to find somebody that, you know, can make the individual pieces. Not only is that not going away, what's happening is an enormous amount of that business is coming back to America. So reshoring is driving this massive shift and upwards. Now our latest survey shows that 80% of American manufacturers are either currently reshoring or in active pursuit of reshoring. Now, that doesn't mean all of their manufacturing. Well, I don't know. I, I've not, the people we've talked to haven't said the same thing about that, but. Well, you, sh- you know, you, we're happy to share the data with your listeners. It's, it's. Well, what I will say is people are saying, instead of bringing more stuff to China, they're choosing people in the United States. Yeah. What you and I are describing isn't new, Noah. And I think what's happening is a lot of people are just waking up. And, and understanding it. Reshoring has been happening in this country for about 12 years. And it's, it's irrefutable. It's been happening more every single year. And I think, unfortunately, we've allowed jobs in manufacturing to become a political uh, hockey puck. And so we get overly caught up in, in, you know, do we have more jobs or less jobs? What, what's, what's happening here? The reality is North American manufacturing is more competitive on the global stage than it's ever been, primarily through the use of advanced technology. There are more jobs being created. There's close to 2 million open jobs in American manufacturing alone based on the skill shortage. We can't produce enough skilled workers to come in and take over these jobs. So I think it's time, and pardon my overpassionate you know, point of view on this. I think it's time that we as an industry stop the political infighting of, you know, uh, that, that we the supposedly manufacturing has gone away. If it went away, it's been coming back. Now, that's not to say that we, we don't have global challenges. That's not to say that you couldn't manufacture some components more cheaply in other countries. But when you fully unpack the math, meaning you know, it cost me a dollar to manufacturing this in Vietnam and three dollars to manufacture it here. Well, guess what? Vietnam's a long ways away from your core customer base. So you got to get it to your customer. You got to manage it through that logistics. And by the time you unpack that math, and particularly with the added benefit of advanced manufacturing technology we have in this country today, suddenly the old math from the 1970s doesn't look quite as compelling as it used to. Sure. If you were, you know, a um, company has been around a long time, I, I know this is different for a big company or a small company or a company that like, I mean, you just arrived in the plumbing or the medical business and they say, Tony, where should I start off to find new work? What would be, you know, or they've been around a while and they're just stagnant. What, what would you say? Well, I, you know, and, and at the risk of being too self-serving. So you check me on this one. No, I don't want to I don't want to you know, steer this into, you know, just a, a Thomas Knapp pitch. But 
Um, I, I think the way to think about this, the way to frame this in your mind today is there are kind of two main components of, of how people are, are looking for potential suppliers. One is kind of broad-based online, right? And that's where you want to have a website that you could be found if somebody's just generally looking around online for the types of services that you provide. And then the other is you want to go where the action is, right? Where in-market buyers are actively looking to source for what you provide. So what we recommend to people is, you know, today to think about new business, you want to make sure that you've got a, a robust and up-to-date website. And then what we highly recommend is that you have a robust program on ThomasNet. And those <laughs> act as a flywheel, by the way, because your search results in general search go up when you're on thomasnet.com. If you're on thomasnet.com and you have a good website, you're also giving the buyer the ability to look at that. We also allow you to run the badging of our verification that you get on thomasnet.com on your own website, which is, improves the uh, buyer engagement on your site. So let, let's talk about those now as a bookend of driving you know, new business. I, I think uh, concurrent with that, boy, and you touched on this earlier, trade shows, uh, association groups and something, they aren't going to go away. They're going to change. You know, I, there's going to be some lasting change from COVID. There may, not, there may be some trade shows that, that don't come back. I don't think you're going to see quite the crowds at those types of events. Bear in mind something else. And I think you and I touched on this in, in our first conversation. There's been a demographic evolution that we're, we're living through as well. So digital transformation is, is massive and pervasive. And that's really what you and I are describing here. But bear in mind something, as of 2017, there's a second generation created that's as large as the previously largest generation ever created. So baby boom generation, all of our demographics and firmographics come from studying that generation. Here comes the millennial generation. And they're of the same size, but as of 2017, they're in the same workforce at the same time. So what this is creating is, you know, uh, uh, certainly true at our company, but across our buyer base, upwards of 50% of our active registered users are millennials. And what do we know to be true about them? They didn't grow up in a world that didn't have the internet. Like my generation doesn't remember a world without television. I'm sure to my parents, it seemed crazy. But to me, I'm like, what, what do you mean this is a big deal? Just like flip it on and I, I have television. This isn't a big deal. My daughter's generation, right, doesn't remember a world without the internet. They're changing the way we drive demand, create demand, generate demand for our companies. And so, again, I want to be clear. I'm not saying face-to-face -face interaction is going to go away. But I would highly recommend to companies, if you've not yet gotten into digital, what's going to happen now is the acceleration of the companies that have invested in digital is going to start to pull away from you faster. Tony, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the show. I learned a lot. And yeah, it's given me some food for thought for our business as well. And I look forward to talking to you in the future. Hey, Noah, thanks a lot. I, as you can tell, I'm a geek for this stuff and I'm a geek for uh, the industry. And, and I appreciate the chance to come on and, and share ideas with you. And uh, hopefully we get a chance to do it again. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. 
Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch extended interview videos. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is Patricio Garcia. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com. 